Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by Benjamin Saver from Studio Erstwood to talk about the best battle tome in Age of Sigmar. How are you, Benjamin? I am very well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Welcome back nice to the to show, have someone I to say. talk to. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose in, in the the days of social isolation, uh, it's probably best better time to get guests for the podcast. People have plenty of free time and uh, are looking for people to talk to. Yeah, that's it. And talking about Warhammer is the closest many closest of us thing we've got at the moment. It. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So I, I'm still I'm still torn as to whether to dis, uh, to describe this episode in the title as we discussed, which was Seraphon Shenanigans with Benjamin Sava, which uh, Sava's Seraphon's Shenanigans has a nice sort of sibilance and alliteration to it. That's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, however, yeah. I'm also tempted to. To do a, a really clickbaity title or something like the best battle tome in Age of Sigmar with Benjamin Savage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This list, hundred percent win rate. Yeah, well, I mean, has the the this list hasn't lost yet. It hasn't lost. Yeah, exactly. Unit, yeah. Unit three been, has, will surprise you or something really has, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Draw them in. Exactly. Well, absolutely. You got to got to get hook them in. Hook them in like some sort of something like spiky bits. Um, I'll have to beat myself out for that uh, horrible website. <laughs> so, why Seraphon for you as a player? Um, so I've never played a summoning army, and that was the that was the main reason I chose I chose them. Um, I've always really wanted to because I think. Especially over the last battle tome, summoning has become such um, a, an integral or a, a powerful part of um, of the game. Like it, it, lots and lots more games are really decided are uh, in the sort of the last throws of turns four and five. And I often find when I'm playing armies with summoning, it's the summoning that that I'll lose to if um, if any, if I do lose, you know, um, it's often to summon in, and I always just kind of find myself stuck in a position where I think, where I'm thinking, God, ah, if I could summon a unit here, or you know, if I could summon a unit ten units, ten models over here to get that objective, if I could do this or we could do that, it gives you just so much flexibility, I think, um, and it allows you to, like, summoning armies just allow you to react to what's happening on the board, and I think I'm like a, a quite a reactive player as anyway. So uh, just having the option to bring on different tools for the right um the right job is something that really appeals to me and so that's the that's the main reason i wanted to choose this because there's there's still there's there's more summoning armies now obviously than there was the mechanics have changed a lot over the over time but i think the summoning armies that that there are at the moment are all i think really good options for competitive play yeah absolutely i think it's it's newness is is a strength in itself because uh people aren't necessarily used to it uh, but also i guess this is something i was going to ask you later but i guess it kind of came up now um how do you think the lack of gaming events currently going on will impact seraphon in terms of the meta and potentially their strength or or indeed people getting more used to them because books tend to do very well in in the first few weeks of release especially when a major tournament ties in with the release and that often calls for uh, you know often results in uh, some passionate let's call it passionate social media uh, interactions uh, which which you yes. yourself are, are, not, are not too uh, unfamiliar with no 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 yeah exactly yeah you, we, love, um... you love a passionate tweet um, and uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so lots of people often, you know, when when a book first arrives, are kind of there's lots of uh, people making kind of uh, you know rash judgments or, or things uh, about about book strength. But do you think the fact that we're not having any games at, at the moment, do you think that's going to help Seraphon, or do you think people are going to get used to them and, and know the tricks? I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna have pros and cons because I've, I've played one one game against the new uh, the new book before lockdown began, and um, I was playing with my bone splitters, which I was really. I've really well practiced with. I've played played like fifty or sixty games with them, probably more, um, against uh, Simon Weekly, um, who was playing with the Battle Tome before it even been released. Because most of the rules are out, we played a game with it about four or five days before the Battle Tome came out, and it was new. Um, and I had read a fair bit online, but it was it's, it's really struck me as one of those armies that you're gonna need to play, and you're gonna need to play a lot to have everything at the forefront of your mind that they can do um i think it's such um it's such a varied book uh, in in the in the amount of ways that you that it can that you can interact with it that it can, it can interact with you that um it's i mean it's always a case that when a new book comes out when you're playing it for the first time you'll often 
most people will often lose um, because, you know, like it's the, the way it uh, performs on the board is very different to how it looks on paper. And I don't think like I don't think it's something the vast majority of players do is, is buy battle terms for armies that they're not playing and read them and try to understand them. Um, and so you kind of learn as, as you go along. And I think Seraphon, more than any other book that I played for the first time, um, just left me with so much, so much to consider that, you know, I ended up getting tabled in that game in, in two turns. And I don't think my Bone Splitter's army's ever, ever been tabled, I don't think. Um, and that was partly due to me making lots of mistakes. But there's just so many extra things to consider, like, you know, like when you're deploying you have to think about all the um all the different threats that can be brought down through teleports um through summoning and then you and then you know like i i was uh, able to outdrop him and then realized oh i can't give away the first turn because i've deployed these characters too close to a piece of scenery and now he can just garrison his uh his temple and shoot all f- and get d3 mortal wounds off on all of my characters which on top of the d3 mortal wounds that you can do from croak three times it's all my heroes are dead because i've left them too close to scenery and it's little small interactions like that which of which there is going there are going to be many i think which is going to um it's going to make it a really difficult army to play against and i don't think this extra time of um being able to read battle terms and understand lists a little bit more is going to be enough to uh, to sort of affect that, I guess. No, no, I think you're right. I, d- I don't think... I'm sure there are people out there who will play against Seraphon better because they've had time to di- digest the rules. But those people are probably the kind of people that will be digesting the rules in the first few days anyway. But I think the average gamer is, is using this time necessarily to pour over every single battle tome to really kind of up their game. Yes, maybe I'm wrong. Exactly. If, if you're sat there, you know, reading every single battle tome back to front uh, to... to to kind of up your game then you know all credit to you go outside and enjoy the sunshine while you can um, <laughs> but not not too far from your home of course yeah <laughs> um i had i had a question here which i think i'm going to rephrase and it initially was how much of a barrier to new players is the uh, you know the the nature of duality of the seraphim battle zone so the fact that you've got starborn and coalesce there that the two mechanics essentially does, does this make it two army books in one uh, but i think i'm going to approach from a slightly different perspective not necessarily to uh, new players to the the faction itself playing the faction but actually to players new to playing against the faction. I think that's really the the real question of when you come to the table and you see on the the, you know, the faction, the, the matchups that you're playing a Seraphon player, what does that mean to you as a player? I think it's a really difficult one because if you if there's an established meta, so if you're playing Eidneth on round four or five or something of a tournament, you've got a pretty good idea of the kinds of thing you're going to be facing, right? Yeah. If you're uh, playing something like Seraphon, though, it could be Starborn, it could be Coalesced. And and those are essentially two very different armies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like there's there's a benefit in in uh, well, I've been playing a, a lot of Hearthstone in in this in this in this break. Um, and one thing there, I think that we, that we don't have is is that, like really clearly defined um, sort of like uh, or decks or lists that do one specific thing. We have a lot of um, sort of like you know this is and this is an alpha list. This is a blocker list. This is a magic heavy list, but I don't think that those archetypes are clearly defined enough so that when you get to the to the table, you look and you. I think you're right. Like if you're playing against eels, you know you have a rough idea of how it's going to play, but you don't have an exact play style in mind. And I think I think you're right. Those two, those two, Starborn and uh, Coalesced, are so different that you're going to have to get into two completely different mindsets when when you see that based on you know based on which of those that they're running and yeah i think it's you know you can't just get to the board you can't just get to the board and think oh i'm playing seraphon this is the this is the things that they can do you know you need to you do need to think about them as two two separate armies because though although yeah all the units uh, are the same they they will play very differently um and, and, you and need the way, to be aware the, way of that. the threats manifest on the tabletop are very different as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're playing Starborn, you know that that unit of 12 Salamanders can be shooting whatever they want in the first turn. So you need to deploy at least three inches behind your screens with characters so they can't get shot off. Um, but then, if you know, yeah, if you're playing those same Salamanders in Coalesced, they've got the extra bite attack. They're doing just as much damage in, in combat as they are in shooting. And so you need to be aware of that as well. So they can't just shoot off a screen and then charge the unit behind and then uh, kill them as well. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a difficult it's going to be a difficult army to play against. I think I, I think that will continue on, you know, regardless of this, regardless of this break. People, yeah, it's going to it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be a really difficult army to play against. And I think that's going to push it probably up a tier higher than it than the book 
on paper would suggest it's it's going to be i think but this is coming from someone that has publicly said that they they feel like it's uh, one of the best battle tomes out there so yes so yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a tier higher than the best battle tome is i mean i'm excited for that but <laughs> there is I, even now a tier that is higher than the highest tier i think that's all all part of the great plan is it not the great cosmic yes. plan yeah exactly all concocted by the old ones exactly so i'm facetiously referring to a, a comment that you've made in the seraphon whatsapp chat uh, where I think you said something along the lines of reading the book a lot lately and I would say it's up there with Auric Warclans for the best battle tome. Now, uh, having uh, you've played against it once and haven't played any games with it, right? No, exactly. So yeah. having just read the battle tome and not played any games, um, what is it that makes you so confident of its strength? So I think it doesn't have any sort of ones, it doesn't have any skew builds apart from maybe Salamander Spam is is the one sort of list that I've, that I've seen popping up a few times, which is is very skew. It's it's an incredibly balanced book, um, and so that means it gives uh, it, a lot of the uh, War Scrolls have a place in the army, and so that the you can have such a variety of different builds. And then, as you say, there's the you know there's the Coalist and the and the Starborn that changes those builds again entirely. But I think it's with battle terms like that, with battle terms like the Auric War Clans, where you can actually field almost anything in the battle tome, and it has a place and it has a purpose, and it will have um, it will have a role on the battlefield, a specific role on the battlefield to fulfil. It it means that you can build lists that are incredibly well balanced um, and have answers to all of the questions that can be posed in the meta. And I think that was that was one of my favourite aspects of the of the Bone Splitters part, at least of the of the War Clans, is that it has an answer to every question and i got really really used to playing with an army like that so that when i've when, when i've tried other when i've tried playing other armies since playing um bone splitters i've noticed you know like there's, there's a keeper on the board and i don't have any shooting so that there's, so there's no way around um the locust whereas auric warclans have several ways around um around getting around that and i think that's when i was initially reading the seraphon book and sort of putting all the putting all the pieces together, it seems it seemed very much like it has, and I, th I think it does have an answer to every question that the meta compose. Yeah, I, I think it's. It, do you know what? It reminded me slightly of the Stormcast book. Like reading the Seraphon book felt quite similar to how I felt when I was reading the Stormcast Eternals book. In that, mm -hmm. as you say, there's lots of things in there that you think I could build a list around this kind of concept, this idea, or this unit, or actually that unit could work really well in this kind of little 500 point kind of add-on you know module and you kind of find yourself building around lots of different modules that could actually swap out for each other and it's not like uh i can't think of maybe let's say pestilence where there's a, a much lower number of unit types and you're essentially looking at large blocks of plague monks probably and um you know a couple of furnaces and some corruptors yeah. uh, one or two or maybe more you know you can because of the lower number of units and the, the way the synergies in the in the pestilence part of i'm referring to pestilence and clearly it's part of the scheme battle tomb so i guess it's a bad yeah. example um but uh, you you know what i mean it's you, you look at it and you think actually there's there's real kind of synergy here amongst the various different components of the book you don't yeah. need to you don't need to decide oh i'm doing a pterodon army you know clearly that's the right choice though uh, you don't need to decide <laughs> uh, i'm doing a pterodon army so i need pterodon heroes i need more pterodon units and i need everything to be fast and i need everything to support the pterodons doing what they do you could say i'm just gonna have a chunk of pterodons supported by the pterodon hero and that's its own thing and that achieves a certain effect on the battlefield and i can have my whole yep. army able to do something else which is going to achieve a different type of effect so not necessarily a redundancy because you know your pterodons are so reliable in achieving x that you can add them into any of let's say a starborn army and know that they're going to achieve that thing yeah yeah exactly i think that's a really really good point as well about um about redundancy is that a lot of other armies will you know like if you're running those if you're running pestilence you need all of those you need all of the support characters to make those plague monks go off um and then if so if the support characters die or like other parts of the scaven but like if you're running storm fiends you need the spell you need more and more warp power so you need to have at least two wizards who can cast that probably even a third wizard to make that happen um, and so you ch you're choosing you're, you're choosing a lot of options that rely on each other whereas yeah you're right it is in that there's different aspects power pairs i think they're often called on they power pairs or power triplets that can go off and do their own job and just and don't need anything don't need any other interactions although there is a great synergy within the seraphon book as a whole the way everything almost everything can interact with each other but i think i think that's 
a almost like a separate strength and that's almost what you were talking about you know the, the the next tier up is that you have your power pairs and you have your power trios and they can can operate independently so if you do remove one of the legs of the stool let's say you're not going to fall over um yeah but exactly if, you, yeah. if you're able to and you're able to bring the full force of your army to bear on the enemy because they weren't able to to take that priority uh, role or they weren't able to uh you know cast off that spell or whatever because you've got a board wide dispel from croak or a slan and they didn't manage to take out that key support unit that isn't part of that power pair then adding in that key support hero a key is probably the wrong word because he's not a key hero he's just a hero a support hero because he's not key to that power pair he just supports mm. it and makes them do what they do even better and i think yeah, that's that's exactly, where the yeah. real strength of the book comes in is when you're able to bring all these internally synergistic power modules together in a really strong way and I, I i guess you could say it's very easy to say that about any army you know if you're able to bring the full force of your whole army against the enemy you know <laughs> probably going to go really well for you but i think <laughs> unlike m- the majority of other armies because seraphon can do that independently of everything else that's a strength yes yeah exactly and then they, you know they then they can fill different roles as well so if we just take the example of pterodons you know you have the pterodot 12 pterodons and a pterodon tweet chief that you know that that's on average, 20 mortal wounds um, if you use the command ability. So, and they've got a 16 inch move, so you fly them off somewhere with the Pterodon Chief in support. They drop their, you know, they drop their rocks, they do the 20 mortal wounds, and then in the following turn, they can fly 16 inches back to where your sort of your command center is, I guess. With you got, you know, you probably have a slam, some Saurus Guard. Uh, oh, I love that you call the, it a command starting. center. <laughs> it's like yeah, something that, out of Red Alert 2, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that Pterodon, from Laurie. Pterodon reporting. <laughs> Laurie like used to run a really good, um, a really good Sylvaneth list where it would be like a little command center set up inside the uh, set up inside the trees where you've got all of your, you know, all of your buff pieces and everything kind of happens and comes out from there. And I think that's very much how I imagine Seraphon's going to play. You're going to have, you're going to have Croak, some Saurus Guard, you know, your support heroes. Next all in a sort of like yeah exactly all next to the astrolith bearer all chilling in out your, in their own little aztec pyramid house yeah exactly yeah and then everybody's gonna every every, every like you know everything's gonna flow from to and from them so you know with the, the pterodon example when they've dropped their rocks they come back fly back over and then in the following turn you can put tider serp um tider serpents on them from your star priest you can add plus one to hit from them on their priest um from the skink priest and then they've got, and then they can go off and do another role. You know, they you arm them with boluses, and they can have forty-two shots, doing mortal wounds on sixes to wound. You know, you can get plus one to hit on them, so they can go off. They can do their thing. If you lose the chief and and the, you know the the command ability, they can come back and they can um, still serve a role. So it's it's that sort of ability to be able to go off and play independently, but then also fit into the bigger into the bigger picture as well which what, i think that if really someone's well. playing in that kind of command center you know hub way of, of almost it's kind of like an aircraft carrier isn't it you know mm. that's that's where your your main strength is projected from but you're able to reach out and touch various different parts of the board and if you can you can always bring that command center up the board to dominate the center ground and then reach out across the whole stretch of the board which is something Terravon can do anyway given that they're, they're a highly maneuverable army uh, but yeah. that's a cool concept but what disadvantages does that have if you're putting all your all your kind of uh, key units in in one place I mean, they need to be very well protected then because, yeah, a lot of it is going to revolve around the support pieces. I think that's the one thing that keep really, really keeps the... Um, well, apart from the lack of being able to do low drops, I think the one thing that really keeps the army in check is that the support the support pieces, the heroes, you almost can't get a, enough of them um, into the list. And I think there are, there are ways around that, which we'll talk about when we get to my list. But I think, you know, like every time you start writing something, you you know you put croak in you put a star priest in you put an astroloth bearer in you put a skink priest in um you've already used up four slots uh you you know if you're in pterodons you want a pterodon chief if you're running ripodactyls you want a ripodactyl chief all those support and heroes suddenly are, you've, you've run out of hero slots yeah and, you, and you've you, not you, really written an army used, yet <laughs> you've yeah, run out of points <laughs> you've run out of points and, and hero slots <laughs> yeah you don't have any of the units to that, that they're actually going to put their buffs on um so it's yeah it is risky but i think it, it's i think it's still super resilient like it's, and it's going to be hard to get to because you, you you know you're going to have units of skinks in the way you're going to have the saurus guard who are bouncing off all the wounds from the from the slan um but yeah i think it, it just like playing that way will just you know you'll be able to summon from that command center as well so you can you know you by moving that up to the center of the board you extend the summoning ranges you can send off little skink priests to be vassals for croaks so a croak can stay 
you know, pretty central to to that little hub and and everything. Yeah, as I say, everything can just happen. Everything flows to and from them. That's that's how I'm imagining the army to play anyway. I think something like a, a Stormcast uh, Everblaze Comet could be quite quite a tasty little counter to that style of play as well. Uh, if you're able yes. to put something in amongst the uh, the command center that requires you to get away from it or, or, or then ta- try and tank these mortal wounds. And I don't think the majority of Seraphon heroes are able to tank anything really given that they are usually you know small skinks on foot or, or something similar yeah exactly yeah yeah i think the the, the the slans are fairly well protected i think with being able to pass off wounds to the saurus guard and the ashcloth bearer does give the six the six up uh damage prevention save um but yeah yeah i think you're right it like it is it will be the way to beat seraphon is to or seemingly will be to um pick apart that command center pick apart the support pieces um and then I think the output and the utility in the rest of the army then drops dramatically. So before we get onto your list, uh, do you feel that there's any real key winners in terms of uh, improvements to War Scrolls in the Battle Tome? Uh, yes, yeah, I think Croak is just as close to an auto-include as as you can be, in, in, in my opinion, I think. And his War Scroll didn't change dramatically did it you know he was still able to cast the three spells well he still had he was still a forecaster he was still able to do celestial div- deliverance three times his um his he was still able to generate cps although it used to cost a cb and now he just uh, just gets to roll for it for free um but i think just with the with the changes around the book he's just become such a powerful um just a, such a powerful support piece like he just in the in the list we're going to talk about in a minute you know you can get him to plus four to cast and plus three to unbind he's obviously got four casts four unbinds uh and he can do he can unbind and dispel anywhere on the board i think even just that ability on its own is going to shut down so many um so many armies that rely on key spells um like my bone splitters when i played that one but one game against him like they need the Breath of Gorkamorka, which is the double move spell. They need that to be going off. Um, if we're going to survive any of the output that Seraphon can, you know, all, all the output that they can put out, I'm going to need the plus one save spell. I'm going to need, um, well, you know, there's lots of armies that re- uh, rely on very, very key spells. Yeah, and if you shutting can down bridge, spell, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which you can, and you, you can do it board wide. So you can't, you can't deploy your, your little human wizard outside of, of the slans range whether that's croak or not uh, to be able to get your soul screen bridge off and not only that when they when it comes to the dispel your the buffs to the to the mages that you can get through the city is uh you know hallow hearts all well and good but they often rely on the, the significant boost they get to their roll don't they and yeah exactly and you, croak's you roll almost, badly on that yeah if you roll badly on that roll you know croak's croak's at an advantage and not only that he can get get you anywhere on the board and, and on top of that the the fact that you can rain down mortal wounds across the board even if you, they do manage to get it off um you can uh, you can still take out those wizards if you go first. You can, which I know you're less likely to do because uh, because of the number of drops. But if you, you can start really raining down those mortal wounds on those characters, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't need them binds if you can just kill all of their support pieces, which Seraphon should be able to do pretty convincingly. I think um, that's yeah, that's an, yeah, that's another huge um, boon for him. Is he's he's just going to be able to. to take out all of the buff pieces from armies pretty easily, or at least the smaller characters. Um, yeah, so I think like he is... Uh, I haven't wrote a list without him yet. He's a mm, I, I definitely find myself, you know, when I look at a 2,000 points, I, I see that as a croak plus the change for, for yeah. the majority of it. Um, and plus, yeah, plus and let's talk wind. about the kind of the, the internet favourite at the moment, which I think is a Salamander hunting pack. Yes. Yeah, they, have, they, have, they are definitely winners, aren't they? Um, I think that it's just a problem with points for me. I don't. I don't think that the war scroll is that offensive. I think it's just the points is the, uh, they're just criminally undercosted. Uh, to to uh, eighty points for for one is is decent, but it's when it's when you go up to three two hundred and forty points for twelve shots at threes and threes minus two rend d three damage. They're on a four up save. They've got all those ablative wounds before you can get through to the damage. And they and you know it's it's things like you know you've got nine models on a twenty five mil base that you what counts as the unit. So you can string you know when you teleport you can string those nine models out and still be shooting with the three salamanders to something which is you know like almost eighteen inches away from where the actual salamanders are. So that just gives yeah. you uh, They're definitely a strength. But I think that is itself a weakness as well because I think lots of players will uh, almost forget that they're bravery five. <laughs> 
And yeah. if they start blasting off those ablative wounds, as you call them, or the skin handlers, uh, I think they're then going to become unstuck with, with a, a battle shock roll. Now, if you've got, and if you are stringing them out, then you're probably not wholly within uh, for a for an inspiring presence. Uh, come on point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, there are downsides to it. But I think like it's, it's just, yeah, I think it's just, they're just too, the threat that they um that they impose then you know like and i think that's a, that's that's something that is gonna affect uh lots of people who are writing lists to be competitive salamanders are a question that needs to be answered in the list writing stage not like it's not something you need to be thinking about in deployment it needs to be something you're thinking about before you even get to the table before you even get to the event you need to be thinking what can salamanders do to me in the first turn if they teleport in if i give them the first turn what can they kill um and you know the, the list i played in the one game uh, simon ran i think it was three maybe even four blocks of them four, um, four blocks of three yeah no no three blocks three, three blocks, blocks of three, three, Do, three I, blocks I think that's going to be a really yeah. dangerous thing uh for players too because because they're quite a they kind of sit there and scream look at me i'm the salamanders look aren't i really impressive everyone's talking about me and it, it would be quite easy to go all oh, right well three blocks of three boom that's me you know and when you know point adjustments aside I mean, that's that's clearly an obvious threat to a very skewed list but if your opponent has uh, is able to outplay that significant investment in in terms of your list design then i think it's it's important not to d- design your whole list around one thing like that that could be that, that is very popular because because it's popular people are going to know and prepare for it yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and as you know, as we're saying that, like the the, the list, uh, the army has so that that they will be fulfilling one role. You know, like salamanders. So if you're spamming salamanders, you're not taking any of the other answers to many of the other questions that armies are going to be asking of you. And mm. yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's a particularly good list to salamander spam, but we will definitely see it. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. We'll, but then, like, yeah. like with anything, when when you get the big shiny and the thing that everyone talks about, uh, people some people kind of rush to it don't they uh, because they see it being talked about uh, on paper it looks fantastic but like we said as you, you're you're putting too many modules of salamanders in into that little building aren't you whereas actually a one module of salamanders achieves a certain thing it has its reputation to carry it as well and mm. uh, then you can support uh, you can support the, the whole army rather uh, can be supported by other modules like pterodons or or skinks or something like that yeah exactly yeah 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 um what about, what yeah, about no- losers uh razordons razordons yeah they've lost out massively for me i think they used to be a great unit uh but i think their their stand and shoot ability is going down to just one dice just it just makes them so lackluster now and you you would even even when it was on a four plus uh, before which obviously it's 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 free now you, you always get that um stand and shoot if an enemy ends within three inches of them yeah you always get it but it's only d6 rather than a four plus two d6 yeah exactly and and they used to run in units of four so charging them on a four plus meant you were getting eight d6 shots coming into you yeah you know that's 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 a really really tough choice even on a four plus you know mm. there's a 50 50 chance that you're going to get what is 8d6 it's like 48 shots or something going into you at minus one rend because you're within nine inches whereas now the way that they've changed it so it's only you know you can take three in a unit of is it four no so three with four with 2d6 shots each you're only doing you know 10 shots and that are hitting on fours and threes and you know that's not even a deterrent for me you know i would often not charge a unit of of razordons because i don't you want to take you that wouldn't damage. charge it because the the risk is there and it's a, a significant i'd say 50 percent is a significant risk um, yeah you know a, a significant risk for a significant amount of damage whereas at the moment it's it's a guaranteed risk of a medium to low amount of damage yeah a nominal amount of damage and i would i would take a guaranteed risk of low damage over a significant risk of crazy damage yeah because exactly. you know what you're getting and that's and that's you know you can you can make that decision fully armed with knowing what you're going to get it's not a case of if they fail that four plus i'm in for a winner but if they yeah. if they get it i'm screwed it's a case of i know what i'm going to get i know i can tank it i'm going in expecting them to roll sixes and everything and ask i can still tank it. yeah exactly yeah yeah which is which is kind of uh, it's anti the way a lot of people um will build highly competitive lists in that you know you're trying to reduce the amount of randomness in there entirely and so like a, a guaranteed ability is almost always going to be better than one that's um a 50 chance but i think yeah it's just the, the the effect of it is just so lackluster that 
I just I just can't find a place for them in in any lists really at the moment, and it's a shame because I think yeah, as I say before they were they were really good. But I would say other than them, there's not there's well, not that talking much. Talking of can't find a place for, I can't find a place, and it's not just because they're camouflaged. I can't find a place for the chameleons kinks. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, I, I haven't looked into them too much, but I was speaking to Owen the other day who played in a tabletop simulator tournament um where a guy was running two units of 20 of them which i'd never even considered i've never considered even taking them above fives before and i think yeah with the with the flexibility their teleport offers then units of 20 could be quite interesting because their okay. shooting is their shooting is pretty it is pretty decent i think um, I'm, I'm approaching it from trying to get them to do you know and that's a, that's actually do you know what that's a really interesting point i've fallen into a trap there I'm trying to compare a unit to something that it used to be able to do. Yeah. And actually, that's a really, that's a really, really key lesson to bring out, isn't it? Is and that's often what results in a lot of kind of internet grumbling about things. So let's say when the Caradron book comes out, and the Caradron book has been created with a very different vibe in mind, and the the rules writers have wanted to take the the battle in a very different direction. There's lots of whinging uh, online about you know this unit doesn't do this anymore, mm. or this has changed. Whereas actually, it's not necessarily a case of this unit doesn't do the thing that I know it used to be really good at anymore. Therefore, it's rubbish. It's this unit may have a very different role. How can yes. I? How can I t- best take advantage of that? So that you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit that. I'm gonna try and write a list uh, with a large number of camera skinks. So Owen Jackson is it? Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, he he was playing against it. No. Oh, right. I'll have to uh, I'll have to drop him a line and see who it was that's playing against them. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think we should talk about your list. Okay. So first up. Byron Ord and I recently talked about theme and concept behind lists. Not concept as in concept painted armies, uh, which I think okay. will we'll stay off that topic. <laughs> Yeah, too soon that's a hot, that's a hot it's, one it's yeah. a hot topic at the moment. <laughs> um so uh we talked about you know themes theming your army so you know this is a fast army this is uh, an army and you kind of talked about about summoning there so was the theme summoning or was the theme uh maneuverability enabled through summoning that kind of yes well the the idea was to when i first started writing it was to push the um celestial conjuration point so the starborn's um method of summoning was to push that as far as i could possibly go um and to see to generate the most amount of 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 ccp that i can in a turn um because i wanted it to be so i kind of i kind of designed this list off the back of um and and, um i've playing hearthstone a lot um which is yeah something i've been doing over lockdown um and i've been i was playing a lot of control decks and i just love the I love being able to have an answer to every question. I, I, I'm a, as I say, I'm a very reactive player. I always like the opponent to go to go first, to commit first, and then to be able to what to answer that question. And I think the Seraphon, the 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 Starborn, sorry, the summoning gives you so much um, so much control for just using using it as sort of like a scalpel or um you know sort of uh being able to respond i, th- I think i quite like the, the yeah sort of you've you've used the word reactive um i quite like to think that seraphim are very responsive because they they mm. respond in a very because uh, reactive almost sounds negative doesn't it it almost sounds like uh you're on the back foot whereas actually you're designing okay, a list yeah. that's very responsive because it responds yes. to you you wait for your enemy to commit and then you have the tools to respond to whatever it is it's not like you're waiting to see what the enemy does so you can decide what to do you know what your army can do and depending on what your opponent your opponent chooses to do you respond to that with the variety of tools that you've got so i like to think the the seraphon certainly the starborn is very responsive i would say coalesced is much less so and i think that is very much uh, the opposite way is, is you commit your army in a more aggressive yeah, way whereas i think the starborn the is them, definitely yeah. a very kind of uh, a responsive army or, or reactive whatever way you want to put it but i certainly think that coming from uh, you know if, if someone's coming from you know, outside of it and thinking right what's this what's this hearthstone and just to confirm hearthstone is essentially having never played it is essentially magic the gathering but warcraft themed right yeah basically yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, so a control deck is kind of like the the blue magic decks yeah absolutely right. yeah yeah cool so so it's show yeah, my it, nerd it, credentials there there you go yeah <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know Jace, it. <laughs> the blue guy. yeah planeswalker <laughs> i was definitely more of a you can probably t- 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 tell what uh colors of decks i used to play uh i would imagine you'd be a blue deck the oh, really? Pterodon, uh, t- that Pterodon list seemed very much like oh, that, that to me. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't write that, did I? Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was definitely, uh, I was definitely red and green. So big monsters for for green, and then like 
just aggressive red. Yeah, 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 aggro. <laughs> All about the aggro. So yeah, my, my list have certainly focused on uh, more coalesced, which is why I'm really interested to hear about your Star Wars. So yeah, so mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry to interrupt your... Uh, no, 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 that's great. No, I think, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that was very well put in that it's, um, yeah, responsive is a better way to, uh, to, to word that, I think, um, because it is is more of a case of not not reacting to whatever's happened uh, to whatever they bring forward it's about seeing which is the right tool um to add to deal with whatever they throw forward and you've got an array of different tools and you and then you sort of um you enhance those with the summoning i think and so that so the most you you can get more if you just spam uh slan but i think there's um a lot of diminishing returns on slan i think after you've got one the second one kind of becomes a little bit redundant you know like he's not doing that much more for the army um and you're and you're and when you say one slan what you mean is croak plus one slan yeah croak plus one slan that's what that's essentially two slan yeah yeah because i I agree i think two two frogs regardless of type and it's usually croak plus a slan but it could be two slans um i think two frogs is the is the correct number and as you say three frogs is starting to get a little bit um eggy basket territory yes exactly yeah yeah i think like this the slan and the croak together um are a really really good they're a, a really good power pair i think they um complement each other really well and they serve different purposes but that third slan which is the the first the first iteration of the list i wrote was a third slan in there um the but then the more council. i thought about it yeah exactly all three of them all um but they uh but I just think that he wasn't adding adding too much um, too much more, and so I swapped him out for an oracle actually on Troglodon, one of mm. the one of the lesser seen units or spoke about units. Um, but I'll run through the list quickly. Um, so it's Lord Croak, and he has Stellar Tempest, which is the Horde clearer spell. Um, on fi- uh, pick a unit, roll dice for every model in the unit. On fives, they do more wounds. Um, and then we've got a Slan, who is the general. Um, and this is in Fangs of Sotek, uh, where the command trait uh, is only obligatory if you are using a Saurus. Saurus yeah. and and that's, so, that's a really interesting rules mechanic, isn't it? Because it's an obligatory yeah. trait if your hero is of a certain type. So you can yeah, kind of which get around we, we it. Start to see more and more now. It, it seems like it was very apparent in the uh, in the Bone Splitters section, at least, of the, the War Clans. Every single one of those is, is keyword dependent. So it's only, you know, you only have to take the artifact or the command trait if you've got X wizard or hero. Um, and it, I think it's good because it allows you a little bit more flexibility within those um, within those sub-factions then. And so it, it allows the slant to be the general and allows him to take a command trait. And I've chosen Arcane Might, which allows him to re-roll one casting, dispelling, or unbinding roll each turn. And that's because his spell is Celestial Equilibrium which is the one that lets you give plus one to all of your other casters apart from him, himself. Uh, himself. Yeah. So, essentially, so at this point, your your croaks got backed up by a, a sort of Ascalith Bearer, which you've got there as well. He's on yep. what, plus three? Uh, he'd be on plus three with that spell. And then obviously there's the Constellations, which you can choose to stick on Croak. So then he could be plus four. So he could, um, he could be casting... Uh, his Celestial Deliverance at three the first time, four the second time, five the third time. Yeah, that's going um, off three times, that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That makes it super reliable. Um, so I want to, be, because you're you're going to be relying on that spell a lot, you want, uh, like, an, uh, you know, there's, you've got the Astraloth Bearer in there, which is obviously to make the, to extend the range of that spell. And then I've got a Bound Bailwind in there as well, which is to expend the to extend the range of that spell so you've invested a lot of points into that spell and also the oracle as well him being a vassal um, which we'll get onto in a minute so I invested a lot of points into making sure that spell goes off so i want i want that spell i want celeste or not celestial deliverance the other one celestial equilibrium i want that to go off each time so it's cast on a seven the, the slan's also going to be at plus two um so you know you got that you, you're getting that on a, on a five with a re-roll and he's and then he's going to be casting that every turn as well as giving up one of his spells for celestial conjuration points um so he's he's more of a support he's more of a support piece there in that um 
Then we've got the Sauros Astrobathera, so he's adding uh, the extra range to um, Celestial Deliverance. It's an extra eight inches, and he also gives a six inch, um, a six plus ward save to the whole army, or well, everyone within uh, twelve, isn't it? I think of him. It's really interesting that uh, the Sauros Astrobathera, because because I've only ever really considered him buffing slants. I've always assumed that it's keyword slant that he buffs, but it's actually all Seraphon wizards. So. He then yes. buffs your troglodon as well, who has himself a an integral buff because he has Oracle of the Slan, doesn't he? Yeah, that gives him plus one. And, then, and then you've also well, got uh, your Slan Star Master's command ability. Yep. So he's yeah, on plus yeah, exactly. three as well, so, which is really tasty. Yeah, and he can be yeah he could be plus four as well if you give him the um if you Const- give him the constellation. As constellation. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then you yeah so you have your so you're gonna have them all within range of of that in the first turn. Uh, you've got a Skink Star Priest in there as well. He's another wizard, another way to generate um, command points. Uh, has a spell which is minus one, which um, which will combo nicely with the Band Geminids. Um, so you can be getting minus two to hit on units pretty easily. And then he has the Serpent Staff, and that's why he's in the list to start with. Um, it was a toss-up between him. Well, it's a toss-up really between him, the Star Seer, and the Skink Priest as 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 the fifth as the fifth hero in the list. But I think you're going to be getting the most use out of the Serpent Staff, which is the the ability to uh, do mortal wounds on sixes to wounds. You you give that to one unit, and then any attacks they make, including shooting. Um, does mortal wounds on sixes to wound in addition to the regular damage um yeah i can see a couple then, of units that i might want to plonk that on on your list already yes exactly yeah yeah so that's why he's in there um to start with because you want to be getting that off right from right from turn one you want to be using that on the unit of 40 skinks or the 12 pterodons um so that's the heroes oh he has um he has bind endless spell actually which some i think that that spell um might be changed to depend you know um as i play games to see how useful that is but i just think it's situationally uh, a very good tool to have and i think it yeah. also gives your opponents a little something to to consider yeah exactly yeah and you know like something like let's say a really devastating spell like uh well geminids geminids can have a huge impact yeah. on one's army and being able to bind that is just is phenomenal yeah absolutely yeah yeah what's the drake the dark fire demon rift as well from from slaves to darkness you know that that could go through your army and you know take out majority of that command the the command center has put some big dents in your units so if you could potentially bind that and send it off away from your stuff that could that could swing the game but yeah it's a situational tool it might be something that i changed and um so he he has that at the moment and then finally is the skink oracle on troglodon and he was as i say i swapped him in for the second slan um because he can still generate the conjuration point he only has one he only has one spell on his war scroll so he'll have to be giving up that every turn and generates an extra d3 conjuration points so then in the list you've got uh, the one that you get for the general which is the slan you get the one that you get for the astrolith bearer and then you've got croak a slan and an oracle you can all give up their first spells to generate an extra d3 so you've got an average of 10 there you've got 5 d3 every turn that's an average of 10 which gives you a lot of a lot of options i think and that's what the that's what the main idea of the army is built around so the rest of the list adding to that flexible kind of responsive way of playing it's it's here's a here's an army list with a decent number of threats in it already but also something where the majority of the points is focused on providing you with a a kind of toolbox approach to each each game yeah exactly yeah yeah so the rest the rest of the list is 40 skinks 10 skinks 5 saurus guard and 12 pterodons now the 12 pterodons they don't have a chief because i couldn't fit the chief in there um and their their ability is to drop rocks is obviously on a four plus for every model in the unit uh does d3 mortal wounds so you've got 12 12 pterodons you're doing an average six so that's 12 mortal wounds on average but if you add the skink chief uh the pterodon chief into there he has a command ability that lets that ability go off on a two plus which means it goes up to 20 mortal wounds extra and now he's not in the list but you do generate 10 points or 10 points every turn in theory so a pterodon chief is 10 points oh what a a coincidence yeah exactly so you can bring him down in the first turn if you need that 
if you need the pterodons to go off and do 20 more wounds, let's say you've got a keeper all the way up in, in your face, he's ran forward, he's got the Thermorider cloak, he's right, he's right up, he's threatening, he's threatening your slan and, and all your support heroes. So you're like, right, I need I need that tool this 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 turn. So I bring down the chief, um, and then on the charge, because it's uh, their ability is anytime you do a move, so you can do that on the charge or on pylons as well, they can drop their rocks. So you can bring him down. If you don't need the pterodons first turn, maybe you can leave them at the back. That, I mean, that's such an amazing threat. 20 mortal wounds is massive. You know, that will mm. take out almost any big character in the game, uh, including things with ethereal and and whatever else as well. So it's it might be better that you um, leave those pterodons on, on the back line and keep that keep that threat there. So then you don't need the ten points for the for the pterodon chief in the first turn. Maybe you want to spend it on a skink priest and then give the skinks plus one to give the skinks plus one to hit and potentially give them run and charge um, on a three up as well. I, I think you know the threat of your pterodons being able to do that is. You don't have to do it, but the fact that your opponent knows that you could is 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 in itself a significant bonus of this armor. And I think it also allows you. You haven't taken the pterodon cheat, but you could eat theoretically easily to get one. And I think that's almost. It's just so. It's so perfect because you don't need to spend the points on the pterodon chief to tell your opponent that your pterodons can achieve 20 mortal wounds realistically because they know that you could do it and yeah. and it's just it's just so like it's it's so seraphony it's it's you know it's like this kind of you can bring in whatever your opponent your army needs to as as we discussed respond to the requirements of your opponent's army so as you say if there's yeah, a keeper exactly. there you can do it if there's not yeah. you can just even in deployment you when your your opponent asks you about your armor you can tell them what those 12 can do yeah they're like oh you only got 12 but you haven't got a pterodon chief and you're like no but i do get 10 point 10 nearly 10 points a turn usually and uh i can uh i can summon a chief quite easily so essentially those 12, 12 pterodons are realistically able to do 20 and suddenly they're thinking oh shoot right i'm gonna have to deploy to do that and then you don't need to bring on that pterodon chief they, they deploy their whole army in a different way and then you just don't need to bring it on because you've achieved yeah, exactly. what that threat of 20 mortal wounds has achieved what it needed to do in that first instance of the game and now you're responding to something else yeah exactly and i think sometimes like keeping you know like luke morton's a really really good player for this like his resource management is just incredible and you know when you watch him play with his eels whereas when you watch a lot of other people play with eels they'll just expend their their shocks the, the you know the first turn that those eels get into combat but luke will hold on to them and keep them there as you know as a threat for for later on in the game and that's and that's the role i see these pterodons playing is that you know they're, they're sitting they're hovering around waiting to drop those 20 mortal wounds but you know like if you don't but if you don't need to do that in the first turn then you then you haven't wasted points on a on a pterodon chief that's just sitting around you know let's say you don't use that until turn four you spend 70 points on a model that's just sitting around waiting to, to just use his command ability and is fulfilling little to no other role apart from being like a 16 inch move hero which is is decent will be will come into play on certain scenarios but otherwise you're not wasting the points on him um and you know like yeah the, the skink priest has an ability to give run and charge to units it has an ability to give plus one to uh, skinks to hit as well so he could be a really really good first turn let's say you are playing a combat army uh you can use that first turn then to summon a skink priest to give plus one to hit put this put the tide of serpents on that unit of 40 skinks and then set up um uh you know set up a screen where everything's hiding behind that if they get charged then use the fangs of sotek ability to just decimate anything that shoots you and then just move off um so then that gives that option. Let's say you don't need anything in the first, or let's say actually you play in KO and they come down and they shoot off all the Saurus Guard. You've got 10 points for another unit of Saurus Guard. They're 10, they're 10 extra wounds for your Slan and your Croak, um, which I think is, a, is another really, really good option. You can just keep topping up those Saurus Guards so you, they can never really get through to the to killing Croak or killing the Slan because you're just summoning 10 wounds every, every turn to, or you know, effectively 10 wounds. It's on a 2 plus they pass across. But, you know, that means that your command center is super survivable. Uh, if you don't need anything in the first turn, you can save those points and get a turn two Bastilodon, which is 20 points. You're getting 10, you're getting 10 a turn. You know, like a Bastilodon coming down on turn two is huge. And it, yeah, it's, and, yeah and it's, it's, it's like, you know, as we discussed, it's the threat of being able to do that that is so significant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Because that's not unrealistic. Me. But still on turn two isn't unrealistic. How many turns for Dread Sorry? And that's the most important question. <laughs> how much How much was he again? He's over I can't 30, remember. <laughs> have to yeah, I think he's over 30. I think you'll probably get one in turn four or five, maybe. Okay, cool. Right, that's that's what um, I'm going to do. I'm going to steal <laughs> and bring Dread Sorry yeah, in turn just five. Just that's for the it, win. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Have you, have you made um, any lists with the Dread Sorry in? 
not yet. No, actually, I haven't. No. Do you think um, he's? Do you think he's got a place in competitive Warhammer? Probably not. No, I don't think so. It's so sad because he's such a wonderful. Yeah. Warhammer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Significantly no, improved. Though. But... I think. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, yeah. 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 It's, basically, it's. it's... It's Dreadsaurian plus all the uh, uh, Starborn skinks. I think I think it's, okay, it's yeah, yeah. skinks, 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 skinks. Maybe skinks, uh, spam, and him. You know, spink, skink, spam, backed up by uh, a slan for for more summoning. But then again, you you quickly run out of points. I think it's you think it, he'd be best in Thunder Lizard because of the buffs. But then mm. if you run a monster army with a Dreadsaurian, you just you just got, you just got no models. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the yeah. problem. Yeah, and no and no way of bringing models down as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that like yeah, just bringing skinks down in, in you know for six points over the course of the game on on average you're going to be you know generating fifty points assuming you can keep all your characters alive you know that's an extra you know seventy skinks on the board if you want to go that route that's you know that's just slowing down a unit of witch elves every turn they just have to charge into a unit of ten skinks and kill them and um, you've got you know like i think and then let's say you summon the pterodon chief in the first turn you fly off and drop rocks with those pterodons then in the following turns or in the in every following turn then from that point as long as the chief's alive you can just bring on another 10 another three pterodon riders which is you know an average of five or six mortal wounds which could take off an, another support hero or you know take the last five wounds off uh, a big model that's been chipped away by croak spells um you can bring down a skink star priest in turn two so you can let's say you really need to make a charge in turn four or five you can and you've got 15 points you bring down a skink star priest you which happens in the movement phase and then in the charge phase they're charging on 3d6 so you could be getting you know a unit of 40 skinks onto an objective or a unit of 10 skinks that you summoned the turn before 3d6 charge onto an objective in turns four or five you can bring down 20 saurus warriors for 20 points which you know is only saving up for one turn uh, that could really swing the objective game in the late game i think it just gives you so much flexibility um and just yeah like i, I, I in theory i think it it's just the the ability to be able to react to whatever you're facing on the board and for that to be like incredibly flexible game to game not a lot of armies have that and i think it's it's something that will you know it's a real boon i think for them so it's the best battle time in the game at the moment and you've written a list that you think is fairly strong uh, from what you just mm-hmm. said what's it not good at um i think it is it's light on bodies it's good i mean it's got one unit of 40 skinks but then it's only 10 skinks and five Saurus guard. And, you know, those, I think those skinks are going to be fulfilling a very specific role. And so there you, you might struggle if you get hit hard and fast, uh, you could, you know, you could lose a lot of those bodies and perhaps not replace them quick enough, um, through summoning. Um, so that's one concern. Um, but honestly, I think other than that, I th- it's the you know, perfect list. It's unbeatable. It You've heard it's, it. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> there you go. There's your tagline for the show. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think I, I just don't think it seems to have any too many weaknesses on on paper because it has that ability to answer all questions. Like you know, like even if you're even something like a really hard unit like uh, Earth God Berserkers, you have Croak plus you've got uh, well, it's got Geminids in there, so that's four. That's four D three AOE spells. You've got I've put a Maelstrom in there as well with an extra ten points, a bound Maelstrom um, for an extra twenty points. Sorry, uh, because it's bound, then the you have complete control over that. And once that ticks, once that collects up enough energy points, you can basically just move that wherever you want. Um, and the way it collects energy points is if it dispels a spell, it gets one, or if a unit is killed within six inches of it, it gains another one. And then you can basically move that around and then that pops off. That's another D3 mortal wounds. That's five D3 mortal wounds there. Then you've got the the pyramid, which could potentially, if you if you can teleport a, you know, a priest over to there and get inside that, that's another D3 mortal wounds. So you've got some six D3 mortal wounds would take out all of the support characters, basically, from 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 fire slayers so, so then this, you just this got, is a great so, army to achieve the just kill the heroes meme yeah absolutely yeah yeah this this is the army to be doing to be doing that 100 percent um and, and, and in then, the mirror what do you think in the mirror i think starborn have the massive advantage yeah i think starborn will beat coalesce most times i think because it just because of the flexibility of movement um it's something that coalesce will that they don't have mm, i think it's it's really tasty to look at 
when you see the the minus one damage and all the benefits to to coalesce but but movement wins your games yeah exactly that's it like movement you, you like you can't interact with someone else with someone else's movement phase that's why that like you know so if you play a re- if you play a really good movement game then that's the one phase you know that's the one phase in the whole game that can't be interacted with so it's so it's completely on you so you I mean you know, uh, vortex says hi but apart from that you know i know what you that's mean. true yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> there are a few exceptions <laughs> the, yeah the, well being... there are abilities yeah that you can cast <laughs> spells in 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 previous phases to affect the but i know what you they, mean they move or charge yeah so yeah and i think that gives that gives them the edge but then you know like you you've got things like the on the on the, the skin caracol on troglodon has the tide of serpents which is essentially a, a second version of uh, Stellar Tempest, so you've got two spells that you can cast on a unit then that on fives are doing more wounds. If you've taken out all of those support characters from Fire Slayers, you move your Troglodon up to within uh, 12 inches. He's casting on plus three, Croak is casting on plus three. So both those spells are going off on a five, and that is basically a dead unit. One of, dead unit of dwarfs. Of, of dwarfs, yeah. And you know that's you could do that without really too much risk to yourself because of their, you know, their, their movement is so slow. You can sit back, cast uh, your spells through through the Oracle for a couple of turns, wait until all their heroes are dead, and then just take out that unit pretty pretty easily, really. Um, and then you know, there's one thing that it's not been mentioned too much, but I really like is is contemplations of the old of the ancient ones, which is the battle trait for both armies, um, which allows the slan to pick a different um, spell at the end of each hero phase. It's just and, yet and, another thing that allows you to respond to the requirements of your the challenge ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's some amazing spells in there that like amazing situational spells like drain magic dispels all ender spells on the uh, within 24 inches which is the reason why i couldn't see the reason for having a bound vortex at all before yeah, everyone That's, was saying why why would you yeah. buy a bound bailwind what's the point you know and, yeah, yeah yeah the whole point but is it doesn't get dispelled yeah. when you so, just cast so it doesn't drain it yeah, yeah exactly so if you're playing uh you know against hallow heart or a vermin lord endless spell list or any seraph uh, any zinch list you can just dispel all of their endless spells while still sitting on on your banned endless spell, which is great. I think mystical and forging could be incredible in some games, especially because you've got the skink oracle who is is going to be running forward and being being the vassal. Oh, yeah, being, for... being able to cast that through the oracle is is clutch, isn't it? You know. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's just only a twelve l- range. Losing an artifact like that is just so brilliant. Yeah, exactly. There's so many. There are so many artifacts that have huge in- impacts on the game, and you know some that you know like the ethereal amulet. You know. If you can get rid of that on a five plus, it completely it completely changes the role of that um, vampire lord or whatever it is that's got that. Then uh, the ability to cast fly on a unit, although you've got that as as well from um, from the slant's command ability, uh, you, you know you probably wouldn't be using that too much, but it's still an option there. So at the end of every turn, you think what what spell do I want to cast next turn? You got celestial apotheosis as well, which is just a heal spell. So what what spell is he going to be wanting to cast next turn? You choose that, and then in the following turn, you've you've got that there as well. So it's just all these tiny little um, interactions that you know that, that are not clear in the list. So you can't look at that list and 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 ha- you know you wouldn't be able to look at that list before at the beginning of a game and and think about all the things it could do. And then even if someone told you all the things that it can do, you're never going to be able to keep those like everything in your mind at once and so it's gonna you know it's that's why you want to play it as a responsive list you want to wait until the opportunity to use one of these tools comes up and then you you know you use it like a scalpel and you take out a specific piece of the army um that's gonna you know render other aspects of it completely useless then um and yeah i, lo- I love that it, you know it's just i think it, it's taken that idea of that i started with my bone splitters list of, of being able to have an answer to every question and it's just turned it up to 11. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be really rewarding to play. And it's going to be one of those lists that gets just gets better and better the more you play it. Well, Benjamin, thank you very much for going through that in such detail. Um, it's really interesting cool. hearing your thoughts on it, especially given that you've had a lot of time to kind of digest the Battle Tome. And, you know, you've come... It looks like you've approached the army from a kind of similar way to which you approach your bone splitters, but obviously have come out with a very different result. Uh, even mm. even in the way that you've um, actually modelled them as well. You've kind of modelled them, modeled them in a very unique way, and uh, dare I say heretical way, because you've used demon models. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. I've, um, I'm going to convert the whole thing out of uh out of zinch models 
Is that um, because you bought Zinch because they were new hotness and realised you didn't want to be that guy, and then you've just got a surplus of Zinch models? <laughs> no, 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 I bought them all for this project, but it's uh, it's contingency, isn't it? Because then if it doesn't end up being as good as what I think you can it just is, just run them as Zinch, right? I did again. Yeah, exactly. I just run them as Zinch. Just go out and get some easy wins. It's fine. Easy wins. There we yeah. go. Well, let's hope, <laughs> let's hope that the world gets back to normal soon so we can get some easy wins. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess the yes, most important thing comments. is that we should revisit this once you're, uh, once you're a few tournaments down or, or at least one tournament down. Let's revisit this when you've taken this army to a tournament and we can we can see whether the army is as as good as you thought it was on paper or whether mm. there's any kind of uh, changes that you'd make as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird to talk about... Um, it's weird to talk about a list before because I'm quite secretive as well. I've had to, I'm quite secretive of a lot of my ideas and a lot of my lists. I've had to have a conversation with Darren this week about the value of sharing. Um, and he managed to convince me that it was a good idea. But one thing I don't normally do is talk about ideas until they are fully formed. And this is obviously, this is all theory at the moment. So it's a, it's a new experience for me as well. I normally like to keep things under wraps until I've fine-tuned it and found the exact version of it. And although on paper, I think I'm, I feel like I'm there now. Uh, yeah. wait, waiting for some games, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, exactly. I'd... It's been alpha It's in its beta stage. It should need to be beta tested. Yes, exactly. There you go. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'd be up for that definitely right so benjamin i've got two questions for you uh, but before we do we should probably shout out studio earthwood and you've also got a bit of a giveaway as well haven't you yes yeah um i noticed the this week that i'd gone past two thousand followers which i guess is um, some sort of milestone in internet cookies and things so i decided to uh, do a little giveaway that seems to be the the done thing um i unfortunately don't have much to give away apart from my time and my talents um and so i'm doing i'm painting a model for one person one of my followers one of the people who likes or retweets uh that tweet or just follows me or yeah um yeah so we're doing a giveaway i'm just going to paint one hero size model for one person um I think we're gonna. I'm gonna extend the. I'm gonna extend the draw a little bit now, so people can hear on the podcast um, if they want to join in. Um, and yeah, uh, we Joe Purcell, the wonderful Joe Purcell. Um, he has offered to buy the model as well, so you don't even have to pay any money for that. Um, a very generous gesture. So yeah, and then whatever hero model you want, and we'll talk about style. Whether you want me to do just go full Earthwood on it and just go mad or whether you want it to be something specific to fit with an army whatever it is we'll do a nice job get it all painted up awesome and if you want to get involved in that it's uh, at studio underscore erstwood e-r-s-t-w-o-o-d on twitter and have you got instagram or anything like that benjamin uh yes yeah yeah, yeah. it's the same as well studio underscore erstwood awesome and uh, i hope we hope we should i'm not sure whether to say this or not whether we're going to be able to do it but we hope to be able to do the draw for the 2k followers giveaway next episode because we're hopefully going to be able to talk all about because you mentioned about hearthstone so we're going to be talking about transferable experiences from other games specifically based on hearthstone but also from gaming as as a whole board games and other other, maybe computer games as well um so transferable experience and bringing those experiences into age of sigma to improve yeah exactly players and we're going to record that next friday and it will release over the weekend of 16th and 17th so if you want to find out whether you're winner then listen to Benji and I chat all about various bits of gaming and somewhere in that episode we'll do the giveaway yep awesome right then finally two questions and these can be quick because you've already answered them uh, you did respond to these before, before. Yeah. Uh, I did yeah. the two questions what would you keep and what would you change about the game um, now is your opportunity to give different answers so your previous answers for reference were keep the low uh, drop meta game so drops being the turn one you know it's being a dropped based turn one mechanic and yep. the thing that you changed was uh, you'd get rid of kill points as a whole and actually i should probably uh, you've got another reward not just 2000 followers but you're also the first person that i vetoed uh using the priority mechanic as the thing you would keep so ah uh, yes which is internet the, cookie the, there. the done thing there as well now isn't it no. yeah, trendsetter benjamin ah there you go um okay so the one thing i'd like to keep the same is the general's handbook changing battle plans every year or at least slightly altering them like I cy- think. cycling them through yes exactly yeah keeps I think the game fresh doesn't it keeps the game fresh um and yeah it's just it's just much better for for list writing for just competitive play in general i think it's every year that comes out you all get a chance to start again refresh refresh the meta refresh all your ideas and come at it from a different place so that's one thing i hope that they wouldn't stop can't imagine why they would because it's brilliant and it's working really well it's going to be weird this general's handbook coming out um it's going to be weird isn't and it? yeah because i'm starting to fear that we might not even get any tournaments during 
this general's handbook at all but hopefully that won't be the case um yeah so that's that one and one thing you would change one thing i would change i think i'm really getting into the no realm artifacts thing now um and that seems to be something that's adopted by a few more tournaments but i like the idea of that um i think it's fitting given that we're talking about seraphon and they were the last uh, faction to receive a, a battle tome. yeah exactly of, yeah of the so, old battle tomes. I, know, I know things like wanderers don't have their own battle tome, but you know boohoo um hashtag not a real army and uh <laughs> well they've got the cities of sigma there haven't they you know so yeah 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 no they're they're, they're so I suppose gone. they do yeah. Yeah. They're, they are not a real army now they're, cities they're literally not an actual um, yeah. but yeah it's fitting that um you would say that given that seraphon were the last faction to get their full battle tome and therefore have access to uh, their own set of artifacts and so no one needs realm artifacts anymore yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. be gone gone realm artifacts we care not seemed almost like seemed almost like a temporary solution to be able to give a little boost to those sort of stragglers maybe that's Um, what we'll see in the next general's handbook who knows yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that. Like, I mean, maybe a new season of them would be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah um, like that. So maybe the, like every three years, you get a, uh, a a new set of realm artifact, and every every year yeah. you get new scenarios and new points, and every three years or so you get a kind of new season of of, uh, of artifacts. Yeah, and endless spells, ram, new realm artifacts. Because the game the game's changed a lot in the last in the last year, and you know, there's a lot there's there's lots more things. Uh, lots more rules in the game now that weren't around so a little refresh of them you know like things like bound endless spells and you know little little things like that is sort of moving towards new design space and then you know perhaps other armies are going to be able to bind endless yeah, spells absolutely you've, you've got the like the luminous realm lords coming up a faction that are inevitably going to be incredibly mad you know they've even declared it they are going to be very magic focused so what kind of yeah. you know how are they going to interact with bound endless spells are we are we going to get into a a bound arms race are there going to be units that can unbind endless spells? yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's it and um yeah i think that's that's space that you can uh, explore then with with artifacts, especially if it becomes something that, you know, like is a sort of standard. It's like, okay, these are going to be the artifacts for the next year or two years, and then we'll change them. So they're, so they're never going to have too much of uh, an impact on the game as a whole in the big picture. Yeah, really exciting. As ever, the future and the potential is what's most exciting about Age of Sigma. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right, Benjamin, Definitely. on that note, thank you very much uh, for joining us, and we'll see you all next no time. It's a pleasure. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve, or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll. Priority Roll.